Radical, episode 176. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. Thanks for being patient this week with me. Uh, I know this is, uh, what, Thursday already, and uh, just now getting out the first episode for the week. Uh, it's been nuts, and I've got some new equipment, so there's a little bit of a learning curve on my side. I have, uh, I've tried to do this podcast a couple of times and uh, kind of been met with failure, and it's just, uh, it's just me learning some new equipment, but that's because of the great patrons out there. Thank you guys. Um, like I said, there's a lot going on here in the studio in terms of uh, doing some uh, some upgrades and some changes and getting this thing ready for prime time. And if you want to support the show and you love it and you've been around for a while, I'd really appreciate it. You can go out to patreon.com slash radical pod and you can become a patron for as low as a buck. You can also, if you're here because you've heard that this crazy guy is running for governor, um, I'm self-funding until at least uh, the official nomination. So if you want to help the show and, and, and send it some money um, through self-funding, you can uh, you can support the show. And at least you get something back instead of just a, a crappy politician out there that uh, is going to tear their party uh, parties apart. But at any rate, so um, outside of that, I always ask uh, if you guys are out there and you want to support the show and you don't have a lot of money, um, and you listen to five shows or more, uh, go out and write a review on Apple. Uh, we have not getting, gotten kicked off. We haven't gotten any strikes. I'll, I'll give it to Apple. You know, at least their podcasts, they they haven't uh, suspended or deleted or um, edited or done anything to our podcast. We might not get as much uh, traffic uh, as some of the other ones in the algorithm, but uh, you can help that by going out there and leaving a review. And I got two more, so thank you guys. This is from Matitarian on Sunday. It says, awesome, five stars. Shane's work, Fighting for Liberty, is leading by example, abolishing civil asset forfeiture in his locality, spotlighting the corruption in the Libertarian Party, putting pressure on Georgia Republicans by running in elections against them and exposing their shameful voting records and calling out the corporate press as propagandists. Matitarian, I appreciate it, man. Uh, The next one is from the infamous T, Truth Bombs, five stars. If you're looking for a timid, smarmy, beltway libertarian podcast, look elsewhere. Because Shane is waging scorched earth campaign against the whole corrupt system. You will be challenged. You will experience cognitive dissonance. And when it resolves, you will never see the world the same way again. Thank you, guys. Uh, really, can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, if you got anything to bring to my attention, you can go to Shane at RadicalPod dot com and um, and email me uh get in contact with me there's uh anything and everything you want there including the helios initiative uh which man i'll tell you right now uh, i got a message last night and i can't wait to share it with you if i get approval to do it um it was uh one of the listeners who has decided to take action and he went in front of the school board and absolutely let them have it and told them no uncertain terms that when the federal judges throw this kind of thing out and they violated the rights of the people and the kids, he's coming back, probably grand jury and all, U.S. Code 242, deprivation of rights under color of law to go after each and every one of them. And it was this is in the Northeast, and it was met with thunderous applause. And young man, and uh, I once I get approval to share that, it'll probably be in uh, the next show. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, and, and, and Dennis, I think, is uh, is your name, man, um, off the top of my head. If I, if I got that wrong, I, I apologize. But um, you, you can definitely expect a follow-up if uh, I get approval. So really cool to see some things happening. Oh, what else is happening in the world? So earlier in the week when I tried to do this show the first time, um, what I wanted to talk about was what was happening in terms of the saber rattling and uh, I guess things of, of that nature from the um, f- from the establishment. Uh, it, it's absolutely it blows my mind in this day and age that we are we we still have people who are pushing war. And for me, it's it's completely unacceptable. Um, one of the 
one of the ones I wanted to, to hit on, um, former governor of South Carolina, um, Nikki Haley. Um, she was out there and, you know, she's, she's been in, uh, administration. She's, she's been a governor. Uh, a lot of people love her, but I'll tell you right now, uh, when, when she started talking about, you know, Joe Biden and how he needs to man up, I, boy, Jesus Christ, how far off the mark could you be? I mean, this is on Fox News, and if you guys weren't tracking, um, I'll tell you, you know, there's another great podcast. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it today, but I definitely wanted to hit on um, a couple of things that I saw out there in terms of the uh, the Russia-China meeting and the, uh, the response to uh, the idea that Russia is a threat and China is a threat and, you know, this this very reckless talk that these people with no skin in the game, you know, are, are, they're, they're, they're basically, not basically, they are putting the lives of tens of millions of people at risk. Not just a little bit. I mean, this is huge, absolutely ridiculous to talk like this. You know, they will say things like, you know, the same people will say you can't yell fire in a theater, which obviously is not true. Um, it's reckless endangerment is when you put other lives at risk, um, you know, in, in terms of saber rattling um, the way these guys are. This is insanity. But yeah, I want you to listen to Nikki Haley here because this is the problem with not understanding economics. You know, this is, this is, I think this is one of the biggest problem in our world is people don't understand economics. They don't understand until we get this right, until we get sound money and saleable currency, right? We're going to be in these problems in a continual loop for as until we wipe each other off the earth again. And that'll happen. Guarantee it. But watch this. You know, my what I will continue to say is if you worry about Russia moving in on Ukraine, if you worry about China moving in on Taiwan, the one and only thing I know this having dealt with the Russians and the Chinese, the best way to deal with both of them is through strength. When you deal with them with strength, then the deterrence happens. That's what Biden has got to start doing. He's got to man up and start standing up to Putin. He's got to start standing up to Xi and start showing them the American way forward. When he does that, that's when the world will be a safer place. Joe Biden, from a place of strength, the guy, he, he, he can't remember where he is most of the time. I think he's, I think he's actually progressing quite badly into... Uh, the the later stages of his life right now. I really do. Like, I think <laughs> the idea of Joe Biden acting from a position of strength is just a non-starter to begin with. And Nikki is absolutely wrong when she says this is the only way, the only, ruling out all other possibilities, this is the only way to deal with people who are quote-unquote threats to us, right? Like superpowers. And in, in, yeah, I said superpowers. Russia is not a superpower. China is definitely, you know, if if America is a superpower, then I guess China is as well, right? What we're we're definitely moving from a unipolar to a you know multipolar type of uh, system again, right? For a while, it's going to get crushed. But to to think that Nikki Haley is going to sit here and say this just demonstrates how much she doesn't understand. And I guarantee you, she'll. She, in the future, Nikki Haley, if time permits and DC is still a thing, she's going to put her hat in, you know, or put in her name in the hat for president. I guarantee it. She doesn't understand economics. The only way to deal with this without killing people, which is much easier, is to go back to a sound currency. This is when I was talking a little bit in, in the last uh, show and, you know, as I am studying and, and going through and learning more and more uh, in terms of Austrian theory and, and just economics in general, like when we fix our currency, when we fix the medium of exchange between us to hard, immutable, decentralized, saleable money, 
this stuff will naturally get fixed. Now, Nikki Haley, we could, in terms of dealing with him, in terms of peace, is we could open up free trade for one. Free trade. Allow people to go back and forth without the taxes, without the regulations, at least put it on the table and start talking about free trade. Bastiat said it probably the best, and I'm paraphrasing when I say, you know, when when goods and services and people cross borders, militaries don't, which means free trade is key to avoiding war, and we should be trying to avoid war at damn near all cost. So that's one way. The second way is to fix your fucking currency. And, you know, cat's out of the bag already. If you're new to the show, you're welcome. I'm going to tell you right now, if you got little ears around, I cuss. And probably during the next clip that I'm going to play, I'm going to cuss a little bit more. If we can fix our currency to a savings base versus a spending base, what I mean is an Austrian versus a Keynesian economy. We fix a lot of what's wrong in this world. We, 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 we remove a lot of what drives people to do awful, terrible things. See, when, when governments centralized the ability to create a medium of exchange money out of thin air, after you know the the early 1900s, really, you know there was a couple times that they screwed around in the 1800s with it during the Civil War, and I believe um, when they bought silver in the early 1890s. But when when we were left to our own devices, and the gold standard was the gold standard, and it was decentralized, and it wasn't all you know brought in by the government. That's when we experienced the highest amount of human flourishment and the human condition, more inventions than ever before. New ideas that the idea where you go from zero to one, you know, one and after is improvements, whereas zero to one is this never existed before and now it exists. I'll say it again. The one and after is just improvements on technology like the printing press. Zero to one is the invention of the printing press. So the computer, you know, and, and things like that, you know, those were, cre- the, the first computer was created in the 1800s. The printing press and, and things like that that went from zero to one that changed distribution of information changed the game, and most of those happened during the gold standard where you had a hard, saleable, mostly decentralized currency. For for us, what we get to is low time preference with that. With With a hard, saleable, immutable currency, we get to a low time preference, which means deferred gratification. Deferred gratification is is something that we we need to really take a look at. If we if we really understand delayed gratification, low time preference, savings is what this is, creation, production. Then what we understand is people are not willing to part with what they've produced, what they've saved. They're, they're, they're going to be able to loan it responsibly to people who, who can pay it back. And that's where real value comes from. Versus this Keynesian economy, which is based on spending. Because the central banks, let's face it, they, they fiat money out of thin air. When they fiat money out of thin air and they give it to their cronies, or they trade it between the banks, or they grift it through political gifts to each other. 
what they're doing is saying, spend, 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 spend. That's Keynesian economics. And it perverts the market. It, it destroys price signals. Information in the market, it distorts it. And it perverts it. Because when a government can print money out of thin air and they want to go to war, they can. Whereas if money was decentralized and they had to go house to house to house to house to collect money from people to go and fund their bullshit wars, it would be extremely hard. And history shows it. I mean, when when we were decentralized in the 1800s, in the you know later 1700s, and throughout time, wherever wherever there was decentralized, hard saleable money, those places were at peace for much much longer. And when there was a war, it was short because people got tired of paying for that kind of crap real quick. So between free trade and a currency that moves from Keynesian to the Austrian, the hard, immutable, saleable currency that is already there for us, Bitcoin. When you move to that, it removes all of the power from these people. It removes their ability to go out and fight ridiculous wars or even threaten ridiculous wars. It absolutely makes the state damn near irrelevant. But that didn't stop. Roger Wicker. If you don't know who Roger Wicker is, he is the asshole senator out of Mississippi. I want you guys to hear this fucking idiot in his own words. He was on Neil Cavuto. And, you know, this was back on December 7th. But because of schedule and work and speaking engagements, I apologize that I haven't been able to get to this earlier. But I want you to hear this guy. Well, military action uh, could mean uh, that, that we stand off with our ships in the Black Sea and, and we rain destruction on, uh, uh, on, mil- on, on Russian military capability. It could. All right. This guy is an asshole. I mean, complete asshole. We're going to stand off with our ships and we're going to rain destruction on Russia. <sighs> More war. More innocent people are going to die. For what? Ukraine? We've got no interest there. Absolutely none. Should we be out of NATO? We should absolutely be out of NATO. The, the American taxpayers have been fleeced long enough for the MIC, for NATO, and for everybody else. Europe can take care of itself. Ukraine can take care of itself. And that's the thing is, they're going to have to take care of themselves. At, the, at some point, people have to stand up and say enough's enough. Right? Like If they don't want to be under Russian rule, then they're going to have to fight for it. If, they don't want to, if Europe doesn't want to be under Russian rule, well, they're going to have to draw lines in the sand. Just like if we don't want to be ruled by D.C. and people like Senator Wicker, we're going to have to fight for it. We're going to have to beat them at their own damn game. If we can do it peacefully, which we can, we win. If we go to war, nobody wins. We might win freedom for a while. But if we don't make a change, a systemic change at the very basic level of how we interact with each other, through mediums of exchange and currency and economy, we'll repeat this until the end of time. And wait till you hear what he says next. That could be closer than, I don't know, we think. 
mean that. It could mean that we participate, and I would not rule that out. I would not rule out American troops on the ground. We don't, do you know, we don't rule out uh, first use nuclear um, action. What the fuck are you talking about? Mississippi, get your boy. Holy fucking shit. We're going to put troops on the ground and we are not ruling out a preemptive nuclear strike against a nuclear power. Are you fucking crazy? We're going to nuke Russia. They got Russian subs. I guarantee you they can hit something. For the first time that a nuclear explosion happens on Russian soil because of the U.S. Holy shit. Are you out of your mind? This decrepit, old, decaying piece of shit, Senator, not to mention government. I, I just, I mean, you look around, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Joe Biden's, the, the Schumer's, the McConnell's, they're all fucking ancient, trying to hold on to power. Reckless with tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of lives talking about first and foremost, putting more people on the ground in Ukraine. We're going to go and put our boys and girls on the ground in Ukraine for fucking what? There's no interest for America there. It's just like there's no interest for us in Taiwan. It's, I'm, I'm sorry, Ukrainians. I'm sorry, Taiwanese. I really am, man. I hate it for you. This is why you fucking arm up. This is why things like the Second Amendment and your right to self-preservation is something that nobody should ever approach. And anybody who does should be dealt with immediately. Senator Wicker has lost his goddamn mind. These people are insane. You're going to talk like this to, to Russia right now? Do you know why this is happening? This is all happening because of the economic meltdown and the dollar. And that's what I really wanted to get to. And I will get to it here in a second. And then it is. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. If you guys haven't seen Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk and um, what's been going on in the Senate hearings. Oh, boy. We're going to get into that. But I want to give I want to give you guys an idea of what is really, you know, what's really going on. When you look around the world at American military bases, you know, we've got, you know, roughly around 750 bases in at least 80 countries around the world. This was at, uh, this was in the, the summer of 2021. And some of those, obviously, in Afghanistan might be n- not there anymore. But let's, let's take a look at where we're at in the world. In South Korea, we have 73 bases and 26,000 troops. In Japan, we have 120 bases and 53,000 troops. In Australia, we've got about 1,000 troops. We've got seven bases there. You've got bases all over the Marshall Islands, Guam, Indonesia, Singapore, you've got bases all over the Middle East. All over. I mean, we've got little sites in India. We've got little sites in Pakistan. We've had all sorts of things going on in Afghanistan. Armenia, Kuwait, Qatar, UAE, Saudi Arabia. We have 10 bases in Saudi Arabia, guys. You have any idea? We have 10 bases in Kuwait. We have 13 bases in Turkey. We've got another 44 bases in Italy. 119 bases in Germany and 33,000 troops. 12,000 troops in Italy. And the UK, we have 25 bases. 92. Or, you know, I should say 9,000 troops there. Spain, four bases. Start to see a picture. You start to see where we're at. 
there's this line of military bases that stretches basically from Iceland to the southeast through France, Italy, Germany, Turkey, Kuwait, all over the Middle East, and then all over the South Pacific. We have, I mean, we we wouldn't, I don't, I don't think America would, I don't think the Pentagon would ever, ever put up with this kind of shit if it was Russia or China. Guarantee you. We're everywhere. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people are pissed about it. A ton of people are pissed about it. To give you another, you know, statistic in terms of um, the the idea that China and Russia really aren't a threat to the U.S., I think you got to look at some numbers. The European Union population is 448 million people as of, uh, I think it was uh, February 2020. 448 million people in the EU. Do you know how many people Russia has? 145 million. It's really a threat to the European Union 145 million versus 448 million. It's a quarter. A quarter of the population in Russia is a threat to the European Union. I don't think it is. What about GDP? Why is GDP important when we talk about being a threat? Well, when you're talking about moving resources, supply chains, equipment, getting people paid. When we look at what Russia's GDP is, their GDP is comparable to Florida and not quite as comparable to New York. They don't even fall in the top 10 in terms of GDP in the world. Russian Federation comes in at around $1.4 trillion a year. To give you an idea, the United States is $20 trillion. China is $14 trillion. So even with China and Russia together, they still don't have the, I guess, the, the, the GDP, not even close to the GDP of the United States. And then you factor in places like Germany, $3 trillion, almost $4 trillion. United Kingdom, another almost $3 trillion. France, $2.6 trillion. India, $2.6 trillion. Italy, $1.8 trillion. Canada, $1.6 trillion. The Korean uh, Republic, $1.6 trillion. You start to see, when we talk about economic capability, the ability to move goods, services, and people around the world, like those guys... Russia doesn't have it. China, I mean, I guess they've got people. They got 14 trillion. They can they can I guess move about as much as we can, but the problem is is both the United States and China are imploding with debt right now. Defaults are happening all over the place. The system of Austrian centralized planning and banks is failing massively. And their ability to project force, to move goods, services, and people around the world for what? To destroy more things? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's incredible to me that people are even talking about this as if, you know, we're going to go to war. We're going to start launching ICBM or hypersonic nuclear delivery type of weapons at each other. Why? 
Tucker Carlson had a really good segment on this, and I, I encourage you to listen to that. I encourage you to listen to the talk between Dave Smith and Scott Horton, as always. Like, those guys are fantastic. But even, even Tucker got this one right. You know, Tucker is good on some things, and war has been, you know, one of his really great strengths lately. Putin can't allow to be can't allow Russia to be cut off from the Black Sea. That's like one of their only, you know, accesses to the rest of the world uh, in terms of shipping, in terms of its navy. And the idea that we would go in and put our men and women on the ground in Ukraine we're going to let the Russians come into Canada. We're going to let the Russians come into Mexico. Do you remember? I mean, I don't remember, but I I know my history. When Russia was doing things in Cuba, oh man, that was a lot, a lot going on down there. I mean, it was ridiculous. The Cuban Missile Scare. Crisis. Thank God it was averted. People need to calm down, they need to take a breath, and they need to get a hold of these idiots like Wicker and Haley and tell them to shut the fuck up. It's nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense for a crumbling dollar. Now, what brought my attention as we segue into the Elizabeth Warren story was her her little fia, uh, blow up, I guess, with Elon Musk on Twitter. There's a Boston Globe article out there. Um, it's Elon Musk, man of the year. And maybe we'll go through this. Elon Musk was named Time Magazine's person of the year, capping a run during which the head of Tesla Inc. solidified his standing as the world's richest person and turned his over, one-time electric vehicle startup into a $1 trillion company. Few individuals have had more influence than Musk on life on Earth and potentially life on Earth too. Time said in an article explaining its choice of the groundbreaking and often controversial executive. He sees his mission as solving the globe's most intractable challenges along the way to disrupting multiple industries. The accolade often reserved for world leaders such as Barack Obama and occasionally business titans like Mark Zuckerberg, adds another trophy to Musk's increasingly full case. He surpassed Jeff Bezos in January to become the richest person alive and has had... and has, and has added more than $100 billion to his wealth this year alone. In October, Tesla became one of just a handful of companies with a market value over $1 trillion. His other major company, SpaceX, has become a go-to provider of launch services for customers such as NASA. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, Elon's the best thing since sliced bread. He's done well for himself, but he's also um, taken a lot of uh, a lot of taxpayer, you know, funds, right? And I don't agree with that either. Uh, but I'll tell you what. He's uh, he's contributed to society like in, in cri- ways that um, people like Elizabeth Warren have not. Elizabeth Warren is a fucking con woman, and we're gonna get into some of what ha- she has said recently. But when she attacked Elon Musk, I thought it was ex- absolutely one of the best blowups on Twitter I've seen in a long time. In response to the Boston Globe article. Elizabeth Warren said, let's change the rigged tax code. All right, I'm going to stop before I even read further. The rigged tax code? That's all you guys in Congress. You guys are the ones that have rigged it and the the people that have rigged it for the ultra-rich, the people who you've bailed out time and time and time again. You guys create money out of thin air. Why are you taxing people? You guys have created the rigged tax code. Let's change it. Why? What are you going to change it for? You're going to penalize, you know, guys like Elon Musk more? 
or are rich people always going to have a tax code that's centralized by the government rigged for them? I think the latter. Let's change the rigged tax code so the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off of everyone else. Yeah. Says the con woman who has been caught faking, frauding papers, her resume, claiming that she is Native American when she is absolutely not. Talking about going after the rich. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren is flying around on private jets. Privy to insider trading information. With no laws stopping them from doing such things. The absolute hypocrisy here is insane. So Elon answered her. And he said, and if you opened your eyes for two seconds, you would realize I pay more taxes than any American in, in history this year. He went on he said, don't spend it all at once. Oh, wait, you did already. And he continued going. He put out an article where he was in Fox News. And he said, Elizabeth Warren is a fraud. Her lies about being Native American, blah, 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 blah. And he said, stop projecting. You remind me of when I was a kid and my friend's angry mom would just randomly yell at everyone for no reason. And he's absolutely right. I mean, absolutely right. In terms of getting in her, I mean, kicking her <laughs> right back. I mean, it's, it's insane that... Somebody such as Elizabeth Warren is going to sit there and go after Elon Musk. It's all political theater. I think Elon probably understands uh, the the changing market. I think he understands Bitcoin. He, you know, is a guy that is ensuring that he's prepared for this. I don't know this next system. You know, as we evolve as a human species. Elon Musk is so much further than this, you know, draconian bitch that is cracking down on guys like Elon or thinks she's, or at least playing, you know, the, the public card as a senator. And to prove that, you know, she's doubling, tripling down, or at least reading from the script. She is on record uh, just, I believe it was uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, December 14th, she is in the stablecoin and DeFi platforms. Uh, she's questioning uh, the the banking. and uh, I, I, She's on the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Uh, this is a hearing that she was part of, and you can hear her talking to um, these young women about crypto and DeFi and all of these things now. We're, I'll get into this and we'll define a lot of this as we go. But I want you to kind of have a listen to how she speaks about crypto. And I'll guarantee you her dollars are hedged in crypto funds while she sits here and honestly reads directly from a script. She doesn't understand this stuff. She doesn't know this stuff. I guarantee you, you know, whoever's handling her money does. And she's going after crypto. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, stable coins like Tether and USDC are supposedly pegged to the dollar. And the reason for this is to reassure people that stable coins are as stable as using the dollars you have in your wallet or in your checking account. As I'm going to stop right there. As stable coins being as stable as the dollars in your checking account. Whoa, man, what a, what a red herring. What a, I mean, what an absolute sham. The U.S. dollar is stable. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe because it's lost 90, 98% of its purchasing power, it's getting more stable, approaching nothing. 
the idea that the American dollar or banking system is stable. Are you kidding me? If it was stable, they wouldn't have to pump it full of fiat dollars every few months. I mean, almost half of the nation's debt was printed last year. That, that is not a stable economy. That is not a stable dollar. That is not a stable uh, banking model. Not, not even close to being stable. And she's going to sit here and talk about the dollar. And she's going to keep going over and over and over again about you know this, this red herring that the, the dollar is somehow stable. Stable coin dollar, in other words, will supposedly be worth a real dollar. Now, that would make it a lot easier and a lot safer to trade among different tokens to put up collateral for a risky bet or even to pay for a cup of coffee at your local bodega. But I want to examine whether or not the stable coin talk matches the stable coin reality. Ms. Goldstein, let all right, the stable coin reality. Basically, you know, a one for one. Are we stable as cryptos? I'm going to tell you right now. I think most cryptos out there are good for one thing and one thing only, and those are for speculators. People who are trading, who are paying attention, uh, that really understand some things and are, you know, want to engage in risky behavior. And then there's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a hedge. It is a consistent, constant communications protocol. It is, it is a hard saleable currency that cannot be centralized. It's immutable. And if there's something that's making it fluctuate, it's things like the reserve currency the dollar, the wild adjustments, the speculation that is brought on again by a Keynesian system based in spending where these idiots are pumping it full of more cash for, for people to spend. Because if they stop spending, what happens? That economy crashes. As soon as they stop spending, that economy crashes. So what do they have to do? They have to pump it full of money and the places where they want to see money spent to their pals, to the banks, to the politicians, to the absolutely fascist corporations. Yeah, if there's... Over time, Bitcoin is going to stabilize. After more and more time because of the halving effect, you know, every 10 minutes or so, we add another block to the blockchain, roughly. And roughly every four years or so, there's a halving effect. So if you're, you know, if we've, if you're mining, you know, the first, let's just say, 10 million coins in the first year. After four years, that's going to go down to five. And another four, two and a half, right? We're not going to mine all of the Bitcoin until about 2140. And as we get closer and closer and closer, what happens? It stabilizes. As more and more people uh, begin to hold the currency in a savings type of manner, that money begins to stabilize because it is decentralized, because it is immutable, because it is saleable over time, because they're, they're not creating any more of it. Not like the U.S. dollar. What they're they're going to inflate into the great beyond and try to distract you with things like nuclear war with China and Russia to take your to, you know to take everybody's focus off of what's happening in the financial sectors. That's the big that's the big deal right now. 
And I don't know if you guys heard Joe Rogan the other day with McCullough when they were talking about how they thought, you know, the SARS or COVID uh, was going to hit in 2025. They, they couldn't wait that long. They couldn't wait that long to try to lock everybody down, to try to bring everybody under control because the financial system, as more and more people adopt Bitcoin and they see this crumbling fiat draconian murder cult system, they're leaving it. They're putting their dollars in something that over time is going to appreciate. And I think it's amazing, naturally, that people want to save. When there is an avenue, when there is a resource, when there is a medium of exchange where people can save, those people with low time preference, with delayed gratification built into them that are willing to forego spending today for savings and a brighter tomorrow, they do so. Which tells me a lot about what humans really want. And how terribly they've been sold lies their entire life. Elizabeth goes on. Let's say that I own $10 worth of Tether or USDC. If I want to trade my $10 worth of these tokens, am I guaranteed to get $10 back? So I'm I'm gonna not answer I'm not I'm gonna skip over where this uh, Miss Alexis uh, answers. Are you guaranteed to get ten dollars back? Well, no. And here's the thing: is you might actually get more because the U.S. dollar, as you guys inflated out of existence, it's going to be worth less. Now I'm not saying this with the the altcoins, what some people call shit coins. Like I'm not I'm not telling you. That in Tether or, you know, Ethereum or the rest of them, not that Ethereum is bad either, but I'm going to just sit here and say, if it's not Bitcoin, be careful. These guys, like, no, you're, it's possible you're going to get more dollars back because you guys are inflating the currency. And that's not what she's looking for. She's sitting here trying to make a point that, you know, maybe with these shit coins, if you put in $10, are you going to get $10? Oh, no. I mean, what you're talking about is currency exchange wars, right? It's, that's what it is. And they do it already. Currency exchange wars have been happening since the banks centralized. And people, I mean, to sit here and, and talk about this as a senator on the Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee just highlights how fucking dumb and stupid and lazy this bitch is. And that's the thing is she's not alone. So she goes on. Okay, I I promise. Uh, Because I want to just underscore this point that if Tether's tokens were actually backed one-to-one, it would be one of the 50 largest banks in the country. But we know that it is not. And that's because... What is, what is the U.S. dollar backed by as Elizabeth Warren? Nothing. It hasn't been backed by gold since the 1970s. And when the government started to centralize gold in 1914, it perverted the economy. It centralized the economy. It started to, to use force and coercion against people to take their gold. according to Tether's own report, only about 10% of the assets backing its stable coin are real dollars in the bank. 90% is something else, not real dollars. 100% of the U.S. dollar is backed by nothing. Zero. <laughs> not, not a damn thing. And she'll just glaze over this point like it doesn't even exist. And if that worries you, there's a little more news on this one. The report that 10% of Tether's stable coins are backed up by dollars is not actually verified by a comprehensive audited financial statement or verified by any government regulator. Oh, man, it's not, it's not verified by government? Boy, all right. Econ 101 in the blockchain. 
that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin is amazing. It's because there is a via, there, there is a verifiable ledger that happens every 10 minutes, roughly. Every exchange that is made is verified on a peer-to-peer network without a centralized bank. And that's exactly why people like Elizabeth Warren, who is a mouthpiece for places like the Federal Reserve and its banking cabal and this fucking murder cult, can't stand it. That's why she has to read from a script in trashing crypto. Now, your fiat has competition, even in fiat. And it would be completely blown away if people actually understood the blockchain and Bitcoin. And the thing is, they can't stop it. There's more and more adopters every day. Every day. And the people who get in early are going to reap the rewards. It's because their time preference is low. Their immediate gratification is low. You look around the world at people who delay gratification, who work, who save. A lot of them live much more comfortable lives. A lot of them didn't make some of the silly mistakes when they were young partying, maybe having kids out of wedlock when they were too young. Listen, I love all of you guys. Listen, we're all human beings. What I'm saying is, is you guys that had kids out of wedlock when you were young, before you wanted to have kids, I guarantee you right now you're sitting there shaking your head like, yeah, man, that was tough. If I hadn't have done that, life would have been different. It's not that you don't love your kids. Don't get me wrong there. It's not like those kids aren't a gift to this world. But I'm going to tell you right now, people who can delay gratification, who save, who produce, who don't overconsume, those people are the people that absolutely change the world and live better lives. Just look at the junkie on the street. Do you think, you think those people are into low time preference or high time preference? Immediate gratification versus delayed gratification. Know the answer. It's just like these junkies in D.C. who will take more and more and more hits and inflating the dollar out of existence and raising the debt ceiling infinitely at this point. So, Professor Allen, let me ask you. Let's say I'm not the only one who wants to redeem my $10 worth of Tether or USDC for dollars. And maybe there's bad news in the market and people rush to cash in their stable coins. What would a run on the stable coin market look like? Could it endanger our financial system? (laughs) Your financial system is in danger because it exists the way it does in the first place, Elizabeth Warren. Like, who's who are these people that are answering her? It's insane to me that we we have to sit here and listen to these people, you know, who are handpicked by the Senate to come in and trash crypto, who won't come in and trash the Federal Reserve. What if there was a dollar run? What if everybody ran to pull their their dollars and throw it into Bitcoin? Yeah, that's a I mean, that's what they're worried about. Because we know they don't have anything in the bank to back it up. There's not, I mean, there's nothing there. There's, there's no guarantee of anything behind a fiat currency. It's a piece of paper. It's absolute monopoly money. Counterfeit, if you will. One of the funniest things to me is if you actually go and look, I mean, just go Google. Monopoly money versus U.S. fiat currency. And you will see that the bills in 100 50, 20, 5, and 1 denominations are exactly the same color as Monopoly money. I think it's a big fuck you to everybody out there from the Federal Reserve System. This, the system is cratering right now. They don't have answers for it.
They have no, they, they got nothing. The only thing that they can do is turn off the internet everywhere in the world. Maybe nuclear war is exactly what they are planning uh, to do such a thing. Sorry to interrupt, but let me go there. We know that stable coins are not always stable. In fact, it's worse than that. In troubled economic times, people are most likely to cash out of risky financial products and move into real dollars. St- um, or gold or Bitcoin. They're not really moving into the dollar. Nobody's, I don't think anybody's moving into the dollar right now. I mean, are people getting liquid? Sure. Are they getting liquid into the dollar? Eh, probably not. Land, gold, Bitcoin. Stable coins will take a nosedive precisely when people most need stability. And that run on the bank mentality could ultimately crash our whole economy. The whole economy? Um, crash the entire economy like, I don't know, perpetuating lies about a disease that's 99.9 survivable. Crash the economy like doing lockdowns, mandates for masks and vaccines that don't fucking work. Crash the economy like shelter in place, Brian Kemp. Shelter, I mean, literally. Kill the economy like calling people non-essential. Like people's livelihoods are non-essential. I'm going to tell you right now, this world wouldn't miss a beat without Elizabeth Warren. It wouldn't miss a beat without DC. It wouldn't miss a beat without the tyrants that have been governors in places like Georgia. It won't miss a beat without these people. You want to understand the very definition of non-essential? When the world doesn't miss a beat because you're not fucking here and you're not interfering in our lives and you're not taking our life, liberty, and property through force and coercion, that's non-essential. You guys know exactly how to kill an economy. The problem is, is you're on the wrong side of history because you don't understand economics. But there's another piece of the risk here, and you've headed in that direction, Professor Allen. DeFi is the most dangerous part of the crypto world. This is where the regulation is effectively absent, and no surprise, it's where the scammers and the cheats and the swindlers mix among part-time investors and first-time crypto traders. Like Wall Street, like the people who short stocks, like hedge fund managers, and the people that empower them in D.C. that are responsible to nobody, that never, ever, ever see justice, that swindle and use force and coercion on top of it. Shady, seedy, unregulated. Get fucked. Elizabeth Warren, Federal Reserve, the rest of you absolute dinosaurs that think you're going to stop us. You got nothing. You're showing your hands through your own arrogance and ignorance. And it is glorious to behold you guys melting down, sitting here calling other people that just want to communicate that just want to exchange with other peaceful people. These ridiculous names. What a projection. In DeFi, someone can't even tell if they're dealing with a terrorist. Oh, like the terrorists that run the, the centralized banking cabal. Who are those people, Elizabeth Warren? Who is the Federal Reserve? Have they ever been audited? No. Do we understand who they are? No. This is an absolute slap in the face, a bald face admission of what this woman is. 
fucking huckster sh- murder cult front lady. What a sham. Stable coins provide the lifeblood of the DeFi ecosystem. In DeFi, people need stable coins to trade between different coins, to trade derivatives, to lend and borrow money, all outside the regulated banking system. Without stable coins, DeFi comes to a halt. So, Professor Allen, does DeFi threaten our financial stability? And can DeFi continue to grow without stable coins? The answer is it doesn't matter. The answer for the shit coins and the altcoins and all that kind of stuff is it doesn't matter, Elizabeth. These are peaceful people who are transacting with each other without the fucking government, and that's her problem. If they want to sit there and run off into shit coins and altcoins to try to, I don't know, make some money, outside of the goddamn stock market, which is totally rigged, that's their prerogative, and that's what she can't stand. Risk to traders, risk to our economy. The time to act is before it all blows up. Stablecoins have no regulators, no independent auditors, no guarantors, nothing. (laughs) Neither does the U.S. dollar. None of it. And they are propping up one of the shadiest parts of the crypto world, the place where consumers are least protected from getting scammed. Our regulators need to get serious about clamping down on these risks before it is too late. You don't have a chance in hell of doing it because they're smarter than you. And you are so fucking stupid that you don't understand how much further ahead they are. My buddy from Matt Arkey, he says, eat a dick. DeFi has made investing opportunities previously reserved to you and your banks or friends available to the whole of the world's population. Stay in your ivory tower and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Some guy said, I'm pretty sure it's an ivory teepee. Oh, man. This is um, this is it. You know, and the, that's the thing is money printing does you know, the, the cause the greatest risk, uh, to people in this world, centralized banks, you know, in, in terms of the, the shady dealings and everything, my God, at least if they're, you know, getting, I don't know, scammed, there's not the threat of war. There's not the threat of somebody kicking in their door with a badge and a gun and killing them, their family, their dog. None of that. I'll take the chances with the scams because with a centralized monopoly on force and currency, you guys just kill people. 270 million people in the 1900s alone. One of the deadliest centuries on the planet because of centralized banking. Because of money that can be inflated into existence. That can be given to banks that play ball, that perpetuate the narrative to politicians that play ball and perpetuate their narrative and to corporations that play ball and perpetuate their narrative. This is revolutionary. This is the time to get out of the fucking dollar. I've said it over and over and over again. The faster we move on, the faster we leave this archaic system behind through defunding it, through getting into mediums of exchange that are immutable, that are non-traceable, that are just codes on the internet. The faster we evolve as a species, the faster we have peace. The faster we can go on living normal lives again without these tyrants. I'm excited. 
I am, I mean, seriously, how can you not be so optimistic when these people are so bankrupt? When they are so arrogant and ignorant? They're going to die out. Luckily for us, a lot of these geriatrics are going to be gone soon. And the thing is, they don't care to understand it. They don't care to get educated on it. They don't care. They're too steeped in their own ways. And if we know anything about what happens in the human condition and where the human condition thrives is through creative destruction. That's why Amazon beat Walmart. That's why Netflix beat Blockbuster. Time after time after time after time throughout history the people who manage to move, the people who manage to innovate, the people who manage to leave the old structures behind for more value, for better innovation, for efficiency, for real mediums of exchange have beat these people. Time and time and time again. Elizabeth Warren can go back to using wampum anytime she likes. As for me, I'm going to take a, a lot of mine and I'm putting it in Bitcoin every chance I get. There is nothing better and I definitely recommend to you guys uh, the book, The Bitcoin Standard, if you want to get spun up on this. You might have to listen to it two or three times. That's okay. That's what it takes. Get in and learn how to be sovereign, how to be your own bank, how to do things without these people. The technology is catching up. And the more people that we have in that space, the more ideas are going to lift it and the more saleable it's going to be. That's going to do it for this show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Sorry, I went a little bit long. Thought I'd get you guys as much content as I could. I will be back here on Friday for you guys. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.